Welcome to Beyond Medicine. My name is Rami Webby. I'm the host of the podcast. I'm a physician with a particular interest in healthcare innovation, building a better healthcare experience, and overall health and well-being. In this podcast, we bring you inspiring leaders from across the medical landscape to help us build a better medicine and lead a better life. We hope you enjoy. Hey, what's up, everybody? Today, I'm joined by Dr. Oren Gottfried, who is a neurosurgeon and a medical consultant for TV shows like The Good Doctor, Elementary, and Royal Pains. This was such a great episode with Dr. Gottfried because not only did he talk about what goes into creating a medical drama like these shows, but also what goes on behind the scenes and how the accuracy is maintained when these kinds of shows are made up. And... Um, for those of you interested in a career and being a medical consultant, this is the episode for you. And for those of you that like medical dramas, uh, this is also the show for you because you get to know what goes on behind the scenes now. So uh, without further ado, we kept this uh, episode very raw. Um, we included actually the pre-recording because I thought it'd be cool to give you guys some insight on what goes on behind the scenes. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. A case, I have another case. So. Oh, nice. Do you have some time? Oh, of course. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. I listen to your show. I like it. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Uh, which, which, uh, did you listen to any ones in specific? I went, to, I saw the last one that was published, and you had that artist resident of New York. And, oh, yeah, uh, Mike Nett. Like, quite the social media presence, and obviously because he's probably a tremendous artist. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, some- yeah. He's a really cool guy, actually. Yeah. Um, where, are you, uh, where are you based out of? I'm at Duke in North Carolina. Awesome. Very cool, man. Um, yeah, so one of my uh, one of the people that helps out with the podcast, she um, she heard about you and brought you up and I thought what you did was what you do is really cool. Uh, I'm excited to hear Thanks more about this little me. profession that yeah, uh, well, I mean you've got already a full profession as a neurosurgeon, but this yeah. little hobby on the side's kinda cool too. Yeah, I'm a full time neurosurgeon, a professor operate, train residents, do research, but then I have this special side that I get to tap into um, in between surgeries, after surgery, at odd times, and it really is, it's fun. It <laughs> allows me to have a creative side that medicine allows us to be creative, but it allows me to take it to that extra level, which is really cool. Yeah, that is really cool. How'd you get into, how'd you get into doing this in the first place? I was just sitting in this office here, starting at Duke University nine years ago, had a new job, new desk, new everything. My assistant came with a little post-it that said, some doctor in LA wants to talk to you. Now, I mean, just reference, that's kind of far away, California from North Carolina, but I was like, I'm a new doctor, I'll see anybody. Mm-hmm. And we get on the phone and first thing he says, you're probably gonna hang up on me. I'm like, no, I'm not going to hang up on you. And he's like, well, the patient doesn't exist. I'm like, okay, this is getting weird. And he <laughs> says, you know, I'm creating a pilot. Um, it's a pretty big backed project, and we need a case of a doctor that's curing his own illness. I'm like, well, that sounds like all of us. Yeah. And I was like, I'm all over that. And it was obviously a neurosurgery plot, but I was like, this is kind of cool. So when do I get credit, and when do I get to star in the show? And, of course, none of that was really relevant, but I helped the guy and he kept on rising in his own success in Hollywood from, you know, he was actually a medical advisor at one point. Now he's like a co-executive producer on a major show. So I helped him out and continues 
we helped him out, and eventually he landed on major projects, and I would help the team. Mm. It's interesting how how these things kind of work out. You know, you say yes to an opportunity like that, and then you know you get more opportunities and things keep growing. So. I guess uh, I think there's a lesson there to just say yes to things sometimes, or at least things you're interested in. You can't say yes to everything, but it's interesting how that played out for you, though. Yeah, I mean, people always ask me, how can I get involved? I mean, I get a message every month, and some ambitious doctor of any specialty writes me and says, I think it's kind of cool what you're doing. How do I get involved? And I tell them, just sit around and wait for that cold call from a producer. And then when you get it, jump on it. But I know it was like a random chance event that I got called. But definitely my advice is say yes to every project. Or cold call yourself, you know, put yourself out there. Yeah, I could just call them and say, I need help. And I do need help. I rely on every doctor that says they have an interest, I go to them with their specialty, subspecialty, and ask for advice. So I've taken every doctor that contacted me up on the offer and said, come along. Now, you don't get credit right away. You don't get to talk to the writers right away. You don't get to talk to the actors. But if you're along on that ride with me, you know I usually can step it up and have them talk to writers eventually yeah. and get involved. 100%. I think that's there's... Um... I mean, when you're looking for opportunities or when you're, you know, finding new opportunities, um, just knowing the right people helps or getting in contact with the right people. And sometimes if you don't know those people, reaching out yourself, giving like a warm introduction, not not being needy and just coming from a place of, hey, uh, you know, I'm genuinely interested in this and I'd love to learn a little bit more. And sometimes people will just be like, yeah, you know what? I want to help this person out. They seem like they're really genuine about this or not being greedy about my time in particular. Um, and sometimes people appreciate that and they want to help you out. Uh, I, I think, yeah, in a similar situation for me, you know, when I get these kind of questions, not related to medical TV dramas, but maybe just other things podcast related, um, it's just, you know, people help people. I agree. I like helping. So anyone that needs me to help them get break in, I'm happy. <laughs> All right. We'll list your email in the in the show notes after this, so you can get hundreds of emails. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> um, so since you've started this, um, what has been your favorite part about being involved in these medical dramas? Well, I mean, early on, it was just seeing an idea that I came up with randomly when I was driving or read an interesting article and came up with an interesting case and just seeing it to fruition. So I might pitch it to writers, help them develop it and see it. So, I mean, even way back in 2010, 11, 12 or so, I could see some of my work on the screen, Mm -hmm. Um, but I still enjoy it. I, I think it's nice that I can have a random thought or think of an interesting scenario and months later, I'm able to watch the show. I mean, it takes away a little bit of the suspense when I'm watching the show because I know the whole story but I still enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but to answer your question most directly, I enjoy when the writers give me a chance to do a little bit of writing. So I'm not just pitching the story and helping them develop it, but they're sending me, I have to review every outline, every script, but they're sending me a few pages of the script and saying, rework it with your own lines. And yeah. then I'm actually writing in the lines for the actors there. And it might get revised a few times, but yeah. I like the part where I'm, I'm not just checking facts, I'm pitching stories. I feel like I'm like a mini writer. Yeah. You know, I'm not the writer's assistant. I'm even smaller, but I'm like, I'm doing some real legitimate writing, and I enjoy it. Yeah. How do you think? How do you think it compares to your actual career as a neurosurgeon? 
how where do you get more fulfillment or enjoyment i would say well i think i mean the fundamentally the relation with the patient talking to them being an educator being a treater treating the whole family mm. i will never give up on that yeah and i've treated many patients i see 2000 patients a year i operate a few hundred times a year and i would never give that up that's an intense relationship i have yeah. a specific skill set i love it yeah but and you've trained time, for a year i mean neurosurgery residency is at least seven years correct i think it's like a million or million point five it's some huge number <laughs> yeah. but it's like you yeah. know the four-year medical school six or seven years training and then fellowships and now i've been here at duke for 10 years so yeah. Dude, i think okay. i'm a pgy like 30 something at this point but. i mean okay so people can't see you on the screen but i'm looking at so dr Godfrey actually looks younger than me you look like you're about 28, 29. I'm not saying this in a bad way. You look very young. Yeah. Well, there yeah. we got Doogie Hauser, right? So, I mean, people always ask me what TV medical shows I watched. Yeah. And so <laughs> I, I don't look like Neil Patrick Harris, but I look young. So I always, my older patients are always comparing me to Doogie Hauser. And I grew up on that show and, you know, looked at the medicine and thought to myself, is this real or not? You know, I didn't know that someday down the road I'd be, biasing in a positive way tv shows to be even more accurate yeah huh. that's interesting but i know what you mean there's the you know we sacrifice a lot to obviously learn and especially to get to your level as a neurosurgeon um there's a special skill set that you have at this point and that you're able to help people in a way that you know very few people could ever help someone so it's hard it's hard to even compare, you know, like these other careers, they kind of fuel our creativity. And I think that's mainly why I'm doing this podcast, just as an outlet, as a way to kind of have conversation with people, do something that's not totally related to medicine or my career. But I mean, that is the foundation, you know, helping patients and, you know, that satisfaction is kind of unparamount, in my opinion. Well, and the relationship we see with the patients and when we see family dynamics, we see the structure of the hospital and all the parts moving. Who would be better to give advice on that situation? A doctor that's still in the picture, taking care of patients and seeing that raw emotion and pain and suffering, or someone that's outside of that environment? I feel like right. by being there every day, by feeling that, I mean, I react to my patients doing great, you know, patients that are struggling, complex socioeconomic issues. I react to that, and then I can basically take those raw emotions that I'm feeling mm -hmm. and put them down to the characters. And, you know, it's just my microcosm, but I can put it out there and have 20 different characters experiencing some of those experiences. Absolutely, yeah. And there's that everyday inspiration. You come across somebody or a patient or experience, you know, it, you, know you start thinking about, oh, I could maybe turn this into a story or something like that. Correct. There's, there's HIPAA, and my patients will always ask me, they, <clears throat> patients come in and they say, I'm an interesting story, you're going to write me up? And I tell them, well, there's this thing called HIPAA, and I'm really good at following rules, and so I'm never going to take a case that I've actually seen or a case in my hospital, but I can read case reports, novel case reports, but I can take my emotional reaction. I mean, no one has license over how I feel, yeah. so I'm able to, you know, put to a story the some of the experiences I've had, but it might not be the specifics of the case. Right, yeah. So can you take us through a little bit of what it's like behind the scenes? I mean, what are the most, like what is, so when you're behind the scenes and you're directing people to, 
or at least helping people kind of get an idea and make sure things are accurate. What what is your job like mainly doing like working with the writers um you know making sure people are getting certain terminology right making sure the steps are in order the right way yes i think at the most primitive level i am here to check the facts of the story but as i work with a show and several of them i worked with for years i can pitch the actual story not knowing how which character is going to work it up or where they're going to do the surgery, but just pitch a really novel situation. I have a journal I keep of my interesting stories. It's like a Google document. And basically, I, I will pitch 10 to 20 stories to the writers on a given day. They'll have me call into the room. I pitch the stories. And it's not uncommon that they might take two of my stories and put them together or on their muse and they hear one story and they kind of go with it in a certain direction. And then I build it with them. So. The best situation is one where I'm a point of contact for the whole story, the, the inception, the building, the outlining, the script. And then even there is usually, most of these shows have on-set people. I'm even providing some insight. What was I thinking when I developed the story to the person on set mm-hmm. so I can show them the, the setup for the OR? And then there's also times where the writer just independently reads an interesting case and I need to validate whether that story they're trying to tell would work with that particular medicine. It's not uncommon that I have to say, well, that's a good story and I read it, but let's do these few things differently. I also have a strong sense of what we've already done. And when the medicine sounds too similar to a prior idea, I like to throw a loop and like really change it up. I want every episode to be completely unique. I keep a work cited page for every episode, and I want every episode to have 20 or 30 new references. I don't want to duplicate the same, you know, we could run a code and everybody has VFib, we, we know when to shock or not, but I want to throw a loop and I throw in all my tachyarrhythmias, I throw in, you know, everything. And I, I bring up a point that I, I started as a neurosurgeon, but then I realized my greatest strength would be aligning with experts in every field. So I have. Yeah colleagues here at Duke, friends at other institutions, and I go right to the expert. And when I need to know that nuance in that cardiac surgery, what's going to be done, what's going to be the argument between two surgeons, I can't read that in up-to-date or JAMA. So I get like the context of what the resident would be saying to the attending in that complex surgery. So Mm -hmm. I, I enjoy the process where I can be that person at every level, but sometimes the stories are real developed on other um, shows, TV series, and I'm just called to kind of refine it, that's harder for me because the story is so mature and developed at that point, I can't change as much. But when I start early, I can really build it in a very accurate way. Yeah. For those want, for the shows that are already kind of built, are they more at looking for just medical accuracy that things are accurate and not going to make people be like, mm, that's not really real- realistic? Yeah, that's exactly right. They probably read enough to know what they're talking about to some extent, and they just want me to refine it a little further. Um, In those cases, I look at it as a foot in the door. I'm getting to talk to a whole new set of writers. And some of my hires have come through just helping them on one episode, and they realize that I'm not just a fact checker, but I do have that creative side, and I like to come up with good scenarios. And I know a lot of surgeries. And so I sometimes get hired from a one-time spot check to being the regular. But I think the greatest strength in Hollywood is people are realizing if we're going to talk about a specialty field, go to an expert. Mm -hmm. And I think we all watched TV, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, and maybe the resource, it wasn't easy to get connected with a doctor. It's much easier. 
If I can make a shameless plug, there's an institution called HHS, Health at Hollywood and Society. These are USC, it's a department at USC and it's um, a non nonprofit. And any doctor can call them and say, hey, I'm a infectious disease doctor. And then they, when there's social issues, like the media needs somebody or a TV show needs an infection doctor to help, they call them up. Oh, really? And so I think it's hmm. wonderful, the service they're providing. And they set up the meetings and basically connect experts to writers. So I occasionally will volunteer my time with them. But I, that's probably the easiest way for anybody listening to your podcast that wants to get involved. Just look up USC HHS, but I think it's a wonderful organization that does great things. Mm -hmm. And that's HHS, you said? Correct. Okay. Health and Hollywood and Society. Okay, cool. That's interesting to know. Um, so any physician, family, uh, infectious, hepatology, anybody that's kind of in medicine that has some expertise, they can call them up and they can basically enlist so if a news channel or media outlet or something needs an expert opinion, they will call them and talk to them? Correct. Yeah, and even scientists. I mean, people talking about political issues that have scientific background and the, the landscape uh -huh. and things that go beyond, you know, even psychology, psychiatry, therapy, physical therapy, really anything that crosses the line of healthcare, mental health care, or even scientific issues, they take uh -huh. it on and and they have a good social media presence if anyone wants to check it out. Yeah. Hmm. Hey, um, something you just said a little bit ago, uh, kind of about your role and what you're doing right now. And it seems like the way you're telling me, so you have as a medical consultant a specific role with specific duties. But from what you're telling me, it seems like you go uh, above and beyond what you're expected of. And you kind of really dive into the nuances and you explore different areas you bring things to the writers from what i'm hearing it seems like you're going above and beyond of what's expected and to me i think like if i to me that seems like that's probably why you're getting hired for these new shows because it seems like you have a real passion for what you're doing am i on point here or is this totally off I think you figured me out. I mean, <laughs> so I put the same level of intensity as I do trying to bring my patient back to health when I do a surgery. I put the same intensity into a research article. You know, I have uh, many peer-reviewed articles, but when I go write it up, I'm putting a lot of myself into it. And I feel like the show can be a product of my years of studying, my experience, the fact that I hit up in the doctor's lounge, I don't talk about this and that. I actually want to know their most interesting cases and teach me about their field. My wife's a gastroenterologist. She was studying for her re-boarding, you know, and it's like I was pimping her based on the stuff I learned from TV. And she was like, this is really good for my boards. And it's like, so I actually have a pretty good knowledge base in everybody's specialty. I wouldn't go, you know, head-to-head -head with you on family medicine. I'm going to lose. But I'm saying I'm going to impress some people on my scope of knowledge because I'm reading about everybody's subspecialty. I mean, not just specialties, but I really go into the subspecialty. And every so often I take care of a patient and they have an issue outside of my, my range. And now I don't ever act as the specialist, but I let them know what the specialist is going to say because I just worked up that case on TV. So it's like I, I know what the, the standard of care is and what are the management issues. So it's kind of fun. I think it makes me a better doctor, actually. Absolutely. And there's just a level of... I mean, there's just a lesson in that and that, you know, when you go above and beyond and 
you let what you're, <clears throat> I guess what you're passionate about kind of just roll into your work and it's just a genuine interest, good things seem to come from that. And um, people in all, you know, job titles or in any anyone who's looking to work with people wants people that are, you know, not just going to do the minimum duties, but go you know, bring their own element to it, bring something that makes them unique and valuable as, um, as that person that they brought on. And that's probably, um, I mean, for me, when I'm looking for people to help me with my podcast, you know, sure, you want people that can fulfill certain roles, but then there's those people that also go way above and beyond anything you could tell them or ask them to do. And those are the people that bring so much success and so much, um, like you, you want to hang on to those people and really bring them as much value too, um, and I just think that's a that's just something I, I kind of picked up on as you were talking about this. Well, um, thank you so much for seeing what my my strengths are. Um, but as you said, I mean, if you love something, if you have a passion for it, it's not work. It goes to a new level, and it's like I share in the success of the good storytelling. I'm not just here to tell a medical story, but. I listen to the writers. Something I've learned over the years is I can push my agenda as far as getting something to look really real, having the visuals accurate, the dialogue accurate. But the part that would make it really special is if I listen really well to the story and the fundamental themes of the story, and then realize what would be the medical aspects that would enhance the story. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of doctors want to help TV, but they want to just focus on the accuracy. and. Who's our target audience? These network shows are not geared towards doctors. That's a small right. demographic. Exactly. I looked it up the other day to see what percent of the workforce <clears throat> is in healthcare. And at most, it's like 18%. So yeah. that means if only people watching TV were the employed, there's still a bigger group that's not healthcare-based. So yeah. I try not to push the health agenda too far to the point where it ruins the story. Right. But I try to find a happy marriage between the accuracy and the storytelling. Right. And that requires me to be a good listener. And, we're not all, as doctors, known to be great at listening, and we always have to work at it, and I'm working at it with the stories when I work with the writers. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's a drama. It's a, it's got to be entertaining for people, so, you know, you can't make it, I mean, medicine can be kind of boring if you're not really in medicine and you don't understand all the jargon and what's going on, so I'm sure there's some uh, getting, there's some creativity and some drama element in there as well. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely uh, people ask me often, what are the things about TV medicine that are quite obvious to compare it to real life medicine? And I go on social media and I look at how people critique some of the shows I work on and <laughs> the same themes. Yeah. And I feel like I could spend all day just writing out what, why we get it that way. But I mean, the truth is we're fitting four or five days of medicine or even weeks into 42 minutes. Yeah. So naturally, you can't have every test in the world. You can't have the patient go and get a MRI, a CT, a spec scan, you know, all these things in the time. We would run out of time. So we have to, like, telescope or, you know, I know when you listen to podcasts, you can put it on two times fast. It's kind of hard to follow, but yeah. you can. I'd say TV sometimes on the 10 button or 20 button. Mm -hmm. And so things have to move really fast. And there are things not happening on camera. In my mind, they have happened off camera. So when I'm pitching the next scene, I want them to acknowledge some things that happen. But it's a little bit of a tricky business because I want it to be accurate, but I don't want to bore the 82% that are non-medically based with yeah. too much terminology. Absolutely. It's interesting you say that because there, 
<clears throat> there are all these uh, uh, social media doctors now that are doing these videos where it's like ex doctor critiques uh, watches yeah. what is whatever show like Grey's Anatomy or mm-hmm. The Good Doctor or and then they yes. do their <clears throat> they'll record like themselves watching it and their reactions to certain scenes in the episodes. Um, what's your take on that? I think it's great they're watching yeah. the show. But again, I want them to think about, I do quality work for my group. So I look at when there's something that happens that we need to review, you don't review what went wrong alone. You also review what went right all the other times. Statistically, if there's a complication, 99% of the time it went well. So we need to study what went well and what went wrong. The people that are doing those shows are typically focusing on the negative. So they're focusing on one or two words they didn't like or a rapid scene. There was something online recently where sepsis was diagnosed with literally one or two vital signs, and it was like, it's sepsis. Mm-hmm. Well, there could have been an hour we didn't see on camera where the person was contemplating you know, all the lab values, the vitals, the presentation. Right. And so I do believe it looked kind of like a fast-moving scene. But if you listen closely to the episodes I'm involved with, there's a lot of upwards 90% or higher, very accurate discussions. And I'm not just tapping into the medical, I'm tapping into what would the residents say to the attending when this thing happened. And I'm in the OR and I hear my residents, I know what what we discuss. And so I would just advocate to, sure, notice the funny little nuances, like the fact that a code on TV only lasts a couple of seconds, a couple of minutes, when we know a code could last much longer. But that's not what the viewer wants to see. Uh, we have to move on. So if you can accept that things happen quicker, that we don't always have the expert. You're not going to bring in 200 actors to act out your whole hospital where you have, you know, the the rheumatologist and the psychiatrist. So they have to have cross coverage. And they're yeah. cross covering too much. And I realize that. Yeah. But these kind of things, I step into a reality of a TV show and realize that's the reality. And as long as we're consistent with that reality, we don't change it every episode. Yeah. Either watch the show or not. I mean, don't you think when anybody watches it, tunes into any show, they're kind of accepting the reality of that show and they're listening and watching the new stories. But I would argue if you don't accept the reality of the show, don't watch the show. You don't right. have to comment about it either. Right. But I just like to say that we can get a lot of it accurate, but it's not possible to ever be 100% accurate. And that would now be a, a nonfiction piece for medical students. Yeah. And no one else would watch it. So. Here, here's what I think is really interesting about where you're... I mean, what, like, the importance of this, because, um, so, giving people that insight to what a doctor's life is, or a nurse's life is, or kind of the behind the scenes of what's going on, the medical culture, the interactions between residents and attendings, I think that's really insightful for a lot of people, because they can see the day-to-day of what these people are going through, maybe in a little bit of a dramatized way. But nonetheless, right. it's still interesting for people to see, oh, okay, so, th- is, so this is kind of what goes on behind the scenes. This is kind of like what a doctor's life is like. This is why they're always stressed out, maybe. Um, but to have an accurate, as, or as much of an accurate representation of that as possible in these medical dramas, I think would be really cool. Number one, because I remember when I was still a pre-med and I'd, um, a lot of times, like, you know, people that are aspiring to go into medicine will watch these shows because you want to kind of see, like, what's my life going to be like if I do this profession? Yes. And I remember I'd watch Grey's Anatomy and I'd be like, you know, I'd get, like, 
kind of excited because I think, okay, this is what my life as a doctor is going to be like. But really, we know it's nothing like Grey's Anatomy. Um, uh, there's no hooking up in the call rooms. There's no, there's no love affairs like, like as much as it's portrayed, you know, the way it is. Um, yes. And there's not a lot of, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's just, it's important, I think, to kind of have that accurate representation um, and it, it's TV, you know, like people want to watch it to be entertained. It's not for us to be inspired to become doctors or nurses or whatever. But I think you have, a, I think that's a cool rule maybe. And I don't know if you think about that or I'm sure you can kind of tell me yourself, but what do you think about kind of bringing that accuracy or bringing that culture of behind the scenes medicine and those interactions? Are you interested in that at all? Yeah, definitely. I mean, so many doctors are faced with being overburdened by, you know, the health record or still by hours, even though there are 80-hour work weeks for training. And I just feel like those discussions need to have an audience. So, yeah, part of my role is just showing, I'm not just showing the struggle of the, as you mentioned, doctors or nurses, the patients, the patient's family, other people that work in the hospital. I mean, I think we're all faced with a very complex environment we work in. It's sometimes... Um, you know, unnecessarily or appropriately stressed. I mean, the OR situation, everybody's kind of functioning at a very high level. People step on each other's feet. So I think we just want to, I want to have everybody's story told. So when I work at the hospital, I'm listening to the stories around me. I mean, some of the greatest insight I've been given is when I'm not actually in the discussion. So when I walk into an OR before my case and see what people are talking about and see what, what they're really thinking. When I step out of a patient's room and I'm working on my charting, but I can still see, hear the family or the patient, I'm not eavesdropping. I'm actually concerned about how that visit went. I can hear how they viewed the visit. I can become a doc, better doctor by listening to them. But I see how patients interpret medical data. Some people process at a level very similar to our brains as physicians, and some people process it a little differently, and it's not wrong. It's just you need to really listen to your patient and see how they process the information. But those are stories that, I mean, I learned about human behavior just from listening to my patients and their families. And so I really want to show the struggle, not of a specific disease, but the struggle of the reaction to that specific disease. And how does it impact the family, the loved ones, the significant other, the children, mm -hmm. grandparents. And so I'm just, in life, I consider myself a major observer. That's been my role. I need to observe others, understand, and then I take that to the writers. And often I don't just pitch the medical story, but I pitch some of these you know, amazing recoveries patients have made because the doctor really listened to them. Or yeah. you know the idea at the end of the visit, the patient actually tells you the most important piece of information. Uh -huh. And if you try to talk through the whole visit and not let them interject, sometimes you just don't hear the most important points. And yeah. I feel this listening helps me um, help the writers because I, I've just had years of experience hearing about everyone's you know, life struggles and approaches and how they um, compensate, how do they you know, live on and be happy. Yeah. No, I think that's a, it's a really important role. Nobody, we don't really think about it, but you're bringing a very important element to the show, and I'm sure that um, I'm sure they know that too. Um, as you were saying, I was just something just crossed my mind, and uh, I've always thought this before when I've watched um, medical dramas or anything in the media regarding doctors. So myself, I'm actually a DO, so um, 
I don't have the typical MD degree, but I've never once in the media seen them portray a physician as a DO. And I'm wondering why is it just because you think is it because people are just not familiar with what a DO is, so they be like be kind of weird to show that on television, or um, do you what like do you know the reasoning behind that? No, but I mean I like the challenge here. I want in the next year or two to have a character, and on their white coat they are <laughs> DO trained, and that would be awesome. Backdrop. That would be they awesome. Have, yeah, the medical school, and they have a DO title. Just to give a little backdrop, one of my shows, the trauma surgeon expert for the show, the person that spends hours on set making sure the scenes look good, is a DO um, title mm-hmm. and is a trauma surgeon. So, I mean, there are some great examples of people that um, have the DO degree and are in you know, yeah. medicine and in the medical advisor field. So I, yeah. I agree with you. There's no reason. I like to see shows that have everything represented. And yeah. if it's not the true world that we live in, because if I went out to the ER right now, I'd see a number of DOs at every exactly facility. Right. It's not, so it's not representative. I'm glad you told me that so I can yeah. work on it. Yeah, and you know, like it's just an opportunity. I guess even in the show, it's an opportunity to interject and be like, like, you know, like, I don't know, you can make it a whatever kind of moment, but someone could be like, what is, you know, why do you have a DO next to your name? And, you know, it could be an opportunity to say uh, there's more than one kind of medical degree in the U.S. or there's, you know, just an opportunity to have a little conversation, maybe with some humor, maybe with whatever, you know, aspect the writers want. But just so because a lot of people in the audience would be like, yeah, what is that? And then it'll spark people to either like go on Google and say, what is a DO? And then, you know, learn something, I guess. (laughs) I agree with you 100 percent. I take the challenge. I want to see if I can impact the truth upon you know the writers that i work with that, that would be so cool if i see that in the show one day i'm gonna i'm gonna be really happy about this conversation <laughs> unfortunately a lot of what i do are suggestions because these yeah. are very creative powerful thoughtful geniuses that are working on the shows and it's just a it's just exciting for yeah. me to help them but i realize in the big picture i am their helper and yeah but i make suggestions like the one you made and yeah. Sometimes it really hits a, a note for the writers and they go with it. I have a feeling that they... How long have you been doing this with them? Uh, nine or ten years. Nine or... T- Dude, you do not... How do you... How old are you, man? I don't want to ask you on air. I'm going to ask oh, you... Oh, I don't mind. I, mean, I don't keep secrets. I'm okay. 44 years old. Okay, I swear to God, guys, he looks t- about... He looks the same age as me, <laughs> which is uh, remarkable. So, anyways, off topic. Um, yeah. But... I wanted to say, uh, yeah, that'd be really cool if uh, if we could see that one day in the media. Yeah, it was creepy at first to think about the questions they were asking me, but mm-hmm. as a doctor, we actually know, you know, when someone's poisoned or this trauma, we kind of know what the, the body's face. So with yeah. shows like Elementary and some of the science fiction I've done, it kind of draws at a different <clears throat> skill set because it's completely different than what we do on a daily basis trying to cure everybody. Yeah. What's your favorite, to date, what's your favorite show that you've done? Oh, that would be like picking your favorite child. And <laughs> each of my three think they are my favorite, and they are. Well, let's talk, uh, let's uh, talk about The Good Doctor, then. What's your favorite okay. about doing that show? Well, I mean, the fundamental message of, I just, for me personally, I see hope. And every episode, they just show the potential for a complex situation, how it affects everybody. But in the end, you know, just the idea of a team working together and 
identifying everybody's strengths. I mean, when we work on a team, diversity on a team, whatever way it is, you know, it could be by age, but it could be by where we've been before, leads to a better team. Mm -hmm. And it's just like the team comes together and does great things. And for me, that's just something that I want to live by in my medical, um, on my day-to-day -day when I'm taking care of patients. I'm not going to do everything by myself. As a surgeon, people might think the old mentality that I'm, you know, like the captain. Uh, those days are long gone. I cannot function by myself. I need a really good team, and I'm just a member of a team. So right. I think that shows shows a team working well, and it shows very, you know, complex and driven characters, and it shows the struggles. And I enjoy watching it, and it's an uplifting show, even when the patient doesn't do well. It's just the, how the team has risen, how the families be involved. I, I just it has a positive message, and I just like also showing Sean how capable he is and how intelligent he's, he is, and he has no human struggles. He has his own struggles, but he's an excellent diagnostician. He's an excellent excellent clinician, and it's kind of we all strive to be that, but not everybody gets to be that. Yeah. Is there an element of kind of interjecting into the characters kind of like the ideal the ideal portrayal of what a physician is? Do you have any part of that? I think every character on TV would have some elements. I mean, there is some unwritten rules that doctors should generally be portrayed as positive on shows, and there certainly are shows that show the negative side to medicine, and I think that has to be told as well. Absolutely. But I think in the big picture, most TV characters have an element of Hero is heroism, but they also have an element of human struggle, and we're imperfect, mm -hmm. and we make imperfect decisions, and we have to live with those imperfect decisions. But we can rise up, and we have one case where we didn't like the outcome, and we have to move on and take care of the next patient, mm -hmm. and whether it's in clinic or the hospital. So I feel like the characters are a portrayal of a, a well-balanced situation. And, um, you know, in general, in the shows I watch, they, they build up that these are good people trying to do good things, but we don't always make, you know, 100% mm -hmm. perfect decisions. How, um, for people that are listening that maybe aren't in medicine, when they're watching these shows, how accurate of a portrayal is it when they're, like, you know, in certain, and, and this probably varies as well because there's so many different shows, but, I mean... We're giving, I guess, people, the general audience, an idea of what a doctor is or what healthcare is. Mm -hmm. How much of an effort is being done to make sure that's accurate as, as far as, you know, like from the producer's standpoint? I mean, everybody from the writers and producers want it accurate, but they don't want the accuracy to get in the way of the, <clears throat> the thoughtful, touching moments, you know, and right. the, the fundamental heart of the story. Mm -hmm. So that's where I win if I didn't mess up anybody's story, didn't take away the heart or essence of the story, but added a layer of accuracy. In general, I know when to back off as well. There, I could be too aggressive, and one, it would upset the writer that's working so hard, and they work tirelessly, almost, I mean, their hours are similar to doctors, if not exactly the same. And so it's not my role to step on the story, but to listen again and give them ideas. But I have some episodes where you know, I would say upwards of 90, 95% of the details that I wanted to be visualized on the final shot of what I watched are taken. Mm -hmm. And there are times where I realize this episode is not going to be as technical, but it's going to be fundamentally at its roots accurate. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make it as accurate as I can, but it won't be as detailed. I really want to, I want the show to be whatever that writer wants it to be, but I want to 
make that show and take their points as accurate as possible. But I've had some episodes that were just phenomenal, and I, it made me happy inside that we were able to pull that off. We yeah. could pull off their story. I didn't get in the way of their story, but the, the medicine was really touching and at a high level, and that's just great. And there's some episodes where I want to accept that it's accurate enough. But in the end, I just realized if I wasn't involved, someone else could help and they could fact check and get pretty far. But yeah. I just want to honor the creative energy that I hear from the writer. Right. Was there ever like a certain um, scenario where it was just like, hold up a second, this is just totally wrong. We need to stop. We need this. Like, was there ever like a, just a moment where it was just like, okay, this one right here, we got to kind of, we got to adjust this because it was just way off. Have you ever had any of those kind of moments? Yeah, the language has to be really dialed down and sensitive yeah. because I don't know how many hours the writer put into working with their producers and their team to get to that point. And I'm speaking in general, no show in specific, but I have to be really sensitive to the fact that Especially when I'm just someone's calling me spot checking something, and I wasn't involved with the inception of the story or the the back and forth of breaking it. I've learned to be really sensitive and find the smallest little tinkering I can do to bring it up to speed. And it's funny because sometimes the diagnosis is never going to work, but I just tinker with it just ever so slightly, smallest little change. And that's where I'm doing like hours of investigation myself to get it. And sometimes I have my eureka 3 a.m. moment where I wake up from agreement and it's like, that's what they needed and let them know. But yes, every so often it's further away from the truth. I have a saying that I say to writers is, you're going to, my colleagues can hit me on the shoulder for this one. You know, is there any way we can do something different? And it's not like I'm going to really get in trouble or suspended from my hospital, but some colleague of mine is going to laugh at me because it's too far off. And so my goal is to just find a way to bring it closer to reality. And my colleagues will tell me in the hallway, nice try there. But in the end, <laughs> I know it's, it's accurate enough for maybe at that point, it wasn't subspecialist accurate enough, but it was specialist or it was general yeah. medicine accurate. But you know what I hold myself to? I want the subspecialist to watch it and think, wow, it's almost like they went to my OR. You know, it's almost like they yeah. captured me. And I've had colleagues tell me that maybe they were being generous, but they told me you really captured what I deal with on a regular basis yeah. with the case. And to me, that's the, the biggest compliment. Even though yeah. I'm gearing towards a general audience, getting a compliment from a subspecialist is a big deal yeah. to me. Yeah, see, that's kind of interesting because, I mean, like these subspecialists are probably like point zero 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 one percent of the of the demographics of people who watch the show, but it's still nice to be able to have that level of accuracy. Is a level maybe of is a level of pride even to say that this is done with such precision and excellence that even the subspecialists will appreciate it. Yeah. Well, and I would encourage anyone that's trying to get into this field or just wants to help is turn on your patience card, like turn it way up. And so I have colleagues, I run a scenario by them, and this is not around the writer, but my colleague will say, BS, that is so not true. But they don't give me the follow-up. It's not true, but here's your alternative. And so what I'd encourage any writer that wants to break into this, this space is you can't just tell someone what's wrong. You have to kindly, gently, creatively find an alternative. So while you're thinking this may not be right, you're offering a suggestion of how to make it right. And it's like, I have so many doctors that want to help me and they're very good at telling me what they don't like, but they're not as good about transitioning it to productive. And mm -hmm. you know, it's almost like the negative sandwich, but yeah. it's like you the negative, we're, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the positive. Yeah. And it's like, 
tell me yeah. the balance and the counter argument yeah. so I know where to go with it. And I try to, when I work with doctors, I try to groom them to, mm -hmm. I'm like the, the, the writer whisperer. I know at this point mm -hmm. how not to be too intense or too forceful. And so I teach the doctors who work with me, you kind of need to, to soften up a bit. I mean, we're used to a harsh environment where we can talk kind of firmly and aggressively and it's no longer as tolerable, but you just can't do that in other formats of the world. I mean, it's not a life or death decision. It's more of one we can ponder and think about for some time, almost like medical rounds where you're kind of going back and forth and proposing um, different treatments. And that's how writing TV you know, should be. It's more... Yeah peaceful educated conversation yeah. and i think that go that just goes for so many things doesn't it i mean if you're going to give somebody some constructive feedback or negative feedback have something to offer as 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 a solution don't just give unsolicited negativity <laughs> yeah. as you please um but excellent point and um i think it's really cool what you're doing i think you're i can tell you're very passionate about what you do i can tell you um, are really uh, dedicated to the work and bringing accuracy and representation and um, I think uh, I think you're going to inspire a lot of people just listening to this episode that maybe might be interested in a similar career and maybe if we could talk a little bit of what the actual career is like if anybody is interested in this do you have to be a doctor uh, can this be a full-time career are you like what's the pay like what do you what does a future in this look like for someone who's interested? So one, it's not limited to only doctors. Um, many of the shows that I work with have a nurse on set that actually provides great insight for the surgery, the you know the set props. So I feel it's it's definitely not limited to only physicians. Nurses have a, a great experience to offer, and even various other medical specialists. In general, there are people that dedicate their a full-time job to this. I mean, one of the experts I work with has over 150 show credits. So she's worked on that many shows and has been the expert. And I mean, so someone could spend, a, this could be their career. There are people that are part-time nurses, part-time um, physicians that are able to spend time on set. I mean, for what I do with the writers, it's not full-time because they don't need me at all times. And I just, they um, really respect that I'm doing, if I'm, not on the phone with them, I'm taking care of patients and you know, no one's ever gonna get in the way of my care of my patients, but I also have free time just like everyone else and I devote my free time to them. So in general, um, you know, someone can make money. I do have pay that I get for doing this position, um, but for me, I'm driven by the story. In the end, if I was still doing this completely without any pay, I do like seeing my name in the credits. You know, that doesn't yeah. get tiring. But I also, I feel like the bigger drive is just telling the story. Um, but I'm not ever gonna quit neurosurgery to work in this, um, this area. So it gives an idea that there's enough going on, um, not just financially, but just dedication to patients. But someone could devote full time to this. And there are people that have helped other shows that are no longer practicing medicine, but have you know, 30 years of experience and can certainly provide great insight. So I see different patterns, but my personal appeal will always be that I'm still taking care of patients and I kind of understand the dynamics from administration to running a hospital to, um, you know, just being a clinician. Those kind of things. 
Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Um, are there other, is it mostly neural, I mean, when when these shows are looking to bring on consultants, are they bringing on more than one doctor at a time, or are they bringing on like a primary, uh, like, a, like a hospitalist and a neurosurgeon, and, or are they kind of bringing on one person at a time to kind of bring an opinion? There are so many different shows that have different formats. So mm-hmm. I work on a show that has six or seven experts. I work on another that has three. So I think every show has a different need or they even decide what their needs are. But it's not uncommon for a show to have just one or two. Um, usually there's someone on set and usually there's someone helping the writers. Um, some shows don't have their own crew but rely on calling up HHS, the Hollywood Health and society and calling them up and getting the experts. So I think there's every single format. But I think in general, every medical specialist has a role. You just have to get paired up with the right show. Um, but the more vast experience that someone has that's not as subspecialized, um, the better they will be. And someone that's out of re- uh, medical school in the last few years obviously has a really good knowledge base of all of medicine after their clinical rotations. Someone that's in you know, family medicine or medicine or someone that's a hospitalist probably has a great breadth of experience to provide to the TV shows. Um, so I think all, all doors are open. It's just being fitted or matched up with the show that needs that particular skill set. But anyone that just remembers general medicine will be helpful. Mm-hmm. But you also need to be able to call on colleagues or read very rapidly on all the, the uh, subspecialties to be helpful. Yeah, interesting. Well, Dr. Gottfried, thank you so much. Um, I really enjoyed this talk learning about uh, being a medical consultant and just, you know, seeing your passion for what you do. It's really inspiring. So I appreciate you uh, being on here. I thank you so much for having me on your show. I think you're doing great things. If I could just talk about your passion, I mean, it's just you're doing great work. And the fact that you're able to, I mean, for me, I'm not sure why you want to be on the show, but that you pick out some great people. And I'm just looking through the list. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing all your podcasts and continuing to follow them. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. You know, this is just a little bit of a, a little hobby side passion that keeps me kind of motivated going through residency. And I think just like the same thing, same way you're doing, you know, you have your outlets, your creativity. I think we all need a little something like that. And for me, connecting with people that are doing cool things or inspiring people in some way, I think is just something I enjoy doing. So yeah thank you i appreciate the nice words man thank you thank you thanks for tuning in guys i hope you enjoyed this episode if you did take a screenshot post it on social media post it on your stories tag us at beyond underscore med and we'll repost you um and if you really enjoyed this episode please go to the podcast app on apple or go on spotify and hit us Give us a follow. Um, that'll all help our rankings and you know help us continue to grow this podcast. So uh, reviews are always encouraged. Thank you guys. Peace.